Hello and welcome back to Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast where we view the franchise from a non-Trekkie perspective. Um, we're here with the second chapter of our journey through the Star Trek television series. We started last time with the original series uh, with our guest David Chumble. The idea of these episodes was to be joined by a guest uh, for every different Star Trek show uh, to kind of basically launch a defense of the show and show us why we should be going on to watch the entire series. Picking as, a favorite episode. Yeah, first. uninitiated yeah. and picking one of their favorites or something that they thought well represents the show uh, to get us to watch it, which Dave did obviously for original series. Um, however, <laughs> we are now moving on to Star Trek the Animated Series. And sadly, it seems no one gives a fuck about it <laughs> because we couldn't get a guest for this episode. Fail me again, and all of your kind shall perish. So I guess, well, in nobody, any case, I say nobody's seen it to be able to defend it. Yeah, yeah no exactly. one, it was nobody's favourite series. It, it, just, <laughs> it just seems like this has kind of almost been a bit forgotten about. I, I don't see many fans talking about Star Trek the Animated Series. Um, so what we're going to do instead is do what we always do, which is talk about the pilot of the show. Um, but for an other episode to talk about, we decided we would talk about How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth uh, from the second season of the animated series because it is the only piece of Star Trek from the original series crew to win an Emmy Award. Was so it, we thought that it, would be a good one. Did it win uh, for writing or for uh, animated something? It won something? for outstanding entertainment in children's television, but the thing mm. with the Emmys is, is you well, put it's forward... It's against rainbows. <laughs> you, you put, in 73, you yeah, know. You, you put forward one particular episode to represent yeah. your show. So let's say like, when someone wins Best Actor at the Emmys, they're only putting one particular episode of show to show their acting. Um, so it was the same with this and that was the episode that they won the Emmy for so we thought that would be a good one to speak about mm -hmm. but before we get back we're going to start with Beyond the Farthest Star uh, which was the pilot of this show um, so what are our first thoughts on the animated series? I just see like it, it gives it much more scope than was available I think in terms of the uh, the animation you can kind of draw anything but it just where it falls down is that you've got the voices so brilliant nature of like Shatner's performance and Nimoy, you know, particularly, where it just that that really kind of like makes it difficult to enjoy as much as a regular episode of the, Star Trek. The voices aren't best served by physical performances through the animation. Yeah, but, mm. especially, but where it loses that, it gains in some far out kind of like designs. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this basically this episode involves the Enterprise being drawn specifically uh, towards an asteroid that has an intense gravitational pull, and when when they uh, they finally avoid being smashed right into it. Um, they end up being in orbit with a um, long-abandoned space station, which is, looks quite organic in structure. Uh, beaming aboard, they soon find out that this um, this was once populated by an alien race who were driven off the ship and almost to destroy it because of some marvellous force that was able to kind of sort of move through the data banks at will. It wasn't just, it's not long before the, the, <laughs> the same force is resurrected and uh, takes over the Enterprise, uh, forcing them to do its will. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's good concept. I can't believe it's so short, like how much it kind of gets done in such a short space of time. Actually, you know, in the it, this would usually be padded out to fifty minutes. It's doing it in 
kind of half the time. Well, it's funny, that was my main takeaway from, I think, both of these episodes, is that the pared down time makes it seem like it's all a plot, like there's no kind of extra scenes, extra plots going on, there's barely any character scenes, it's kind of all techie talk, all mission, all the time. Yeah. And I'm sure for some episodes that's going to really work and give something really punchy. These two, I don't know, it's kind of up in the air. The second one works better than the first. Uh, the Emmy winner works a bit better. But you really feel like it's just kind of, hello everyone, here's a problem. Talk, 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 beam, beam, beam. Sort it out, or not sort it <laughs> out. And I think that kind of stifles it a bit and maybe that's the cutback of running time. And again, like you say, with the with animation, you can do whatever you want. Again, these two episodes are, I think, are two sides of a coin, where this first one, I was thinking this is animation, you can do anything now, and it's kind of still the same sort of stuff. And then it yeah. gets a bit more trippy and far out in the second episode, for yeah, sure. definitely. Doing stuff that they couldn't do in live-action TV back then. But for this first one, I was thinking, you know, this is animation now. You can go completely off the rails, and they're still playing a bit safe. But maybe for a pilot, that was fine. Well, yeah, I mean, I should explain, just to set us up, that this was made by a company called Filmation. Now, they kind of become famous for making really cheap, low-grade animation um, from this era. They also made um, some Batman and Superman cartoons. Um, famously, they made the original Ghostbusters oh, uh, cartoon. Yeah. Oh, not, um, not the real. Well, yeah. no, not the real Ghostbusters. Basically, they also occasionally made live-action series, and they made a live-action series in the 70s called Ghostbusters. Okay, yeah, um, bits which, of the real Ghostbusters. Yeah, which then um, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd and all that lot had to ask them for permission to use the name for the film, which they did, but then because <laughs> the film was such a massive of success and no one remembered about their <laughs> shitty live action like, series back, baby. <laughs> with a guy in a fucking gorilla suit they decide to capitalise on this and make a new Ghostbusters filmation animation on TV called Ghostbusters in the late 80s just before the real Ghostbusters came about uh, to do their own kind of cartoon series, which is why it's called the real Ghostbusters, to differentiate it between this and the filmation version. That's funny. So the real Ghostbusters, they weren't like... No, they're not the, the real the Ghostbusters. The Ghostbusters we all know weren't the real Ghostbusters. No. They had to grovel, then they turned it around to say, no, 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 no we're, uh, we're, we're, we're the real ones. We're the real ones. Like, no one fucking cares about you. Uh, they also made He-Man as well. So, you know, okay. they, they've had some big successes, but they were all based on this idea of basically... Um, using really cheap animation style where you use the same kind of stock footage again and again and again. I'm sure you must have noticed that there are certain shots we see time... It's Spock time. against the side turning and saying stuff. That yeah, with him with the microscope. Yeah. The, every shot of him is him looking into that microscope and then looking in, up. In terms of the animation, the things I noticed most were whenever there's a big wide shot, they're basically just in silhouettes. They're just like a black shape. They're mm. not even thing, and they're not moving. And then the general lack of movement from pretty much all the characters, especially anyone in the background. If there's any other crew people like in deep back of shot, they ain't moving. Like, like, like some things would be like, oh, look, they're not blinking or something. Here it's just like, they're not even <laughs> Yeah. Um, and also, of course, as you mentioned, Paul, they managed to get the cast back for this. And I think that adds to not only its authenticity, but the kind of sense of giving it a little bit more prestige despite the animation because they've got 
you know, most of the big stars back. Not all of them, as they couldn't afford the full cast. It's there still are no some Chekhov, missing right? voices. Yeah, no Chekhov. He actually wrote an episode, Walt Koning, um, mm -hmm. wrote an episode of the animated series, but he, he never turned up. With <laughs> but it's, but you know, Koenig. But I've watched season one, and it's not like he's a big miss at the moment. Like, I'm looking forward to him joining the crew, mm. but I'm working my way through season one of Dread. The original series, yeah. But yeah, he's not there yet. Um, but yeah, I think as as the episode goes, did you find it interesting? I, I thought it, you know, it wasn't it was interesting to, in, in the beginning when there was a mystery, but once it became kind of just things exploding and stuff, I just yeah. kind of tuned out. This idea of like hyper gravity and stuff. There's some interesting things there. Yeah, uh, this is, yeah beyond the farthest star. I mean, <laughs> it's funny. It, the thing it reminded me most of of what we've watched previously is the motion picture. Um, in the sense How of, dare you. <laughs> but in the sense of you know they're kind of finding this uh, the, like you say it's not taking full advantage of the animation like what you kind of see is this kind of odd space station which kind of seems slightly organic and they most of the time they're kind of just sitting on the bridge kind of yeah. you know reacting to there's something a bit weird going on yeah. and we can't really explain it and I was just thinking fuck me kids must have been switching off in their shows <laughs> going it's so boring for a Saturday like, morning it, cartoon it's ultra slow paced despite being 22 minutes it, really really short minutes, yeah. I mean because this was written by the same writers as the original series most of the time and there doesn't seem to have been any thought to think oh perhaps we should change things up because this is now a kids animated series and make things a bit simpler or something they just seem well, to be telling normal I, stories I, on a shorter scale I think that's basically because it was made in response to the syndicate you said earlier syndication yes. of the show uh, of the original show had proven so popular mm. and there was demand for more but they didn't this is like the cheaper option is to do animation rather than put yeah, back yeah, on live action TV so it's kind of like I think it's still aimed at the adults you know just to placate them you know yeah. as the fan base is growing but you know they, where they're going to put this on they're going to see if they can make some money uh, for kids as well out of the kids so you know I think it's it definitely is got I don't know if the other episodes follow the same thing but it's still very intellectual at times yeah in that sense it's still yeah. very much Star Trek at least they can say it's not like they're selling out and it's just like turns into Bucky O'Hare or something and they're running around yeah. doing space battles like every single yeah. time which they could have done of course but. yeah they totally could have done and it's it's <clears throat> weird because I kind of think I assumed at first that it would probably be that a kind of far simpler kind of story but it's got this really complicated cerebral plot uh, which you know <laughs> I think the kids were probably found quite hard to keep up with about the only thing where I was watching it for oh I'm watching a kids animated show was at the end when the kind of alien being is calling out to him and saying, Oh, baby! Yeah, well, he say like, Don't leave me alone! Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, well, I was expecting something else there, because they kind of like, yeah, they managed to... Uh, the Enterprise has been taken over by this green mist, which is the alien, and uh, it's forcing them to kind of go somewhere else, but they decide to try and fly the ship into something and, and scare it into leaving. So they, they make it think they, they were going to crash, and he goes, no, I'm getting out of here. So it jumps mm. out, goes onto the planet, and the Enterprise pulls away at the last minute, leaving it behind, screaming, like, don't leave me, I'm so lonely. <laughs> <Quite a sad laughs> ending, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't and give was... a fuck about that lonely-ass clown, <laughs> Jesus. I know, but I, I, I expected there to be a little kind of it sort of end where they sort of like gave it some ability to go out and do something else mm. rather than leave it it's like no we're just glad we got out of that and we're going to go on our way now hi <laughs> uh, yeah so I was surprised there wasn't a kind of twist there but yeah there we have it I found it really funny that because I had to look up 
after I saw this about this thing about the cut they couldn't afford the whole cast and stuff like that because when you first watch it one of the first shots shows that Chekhov's just been replaced with random alien man yeah he's in his like chair isn't he <laughs> yeah. Mr. Arex is it Mr. Arex one with the three arms I think so I think yeah, he had, yeah. I think he, don't think he has a line in this one I think he has a line he, in he the definitely has one. lines yeah. in the second yeah. one yeah um yeah, like two minutes to the countdown. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it like that? Well, yeah. this is the thing because the rest of the voices, because there's obviously additional crew members like him uh, who haven't been in the show before and also new, bring it back. new characters uh, for them to encounter. But all the other voices, pretty much, apart from some returning characters like Sarek turns up at one point, huh. uh, Mud turns up mm-hmm. at one point. Uh, and they had the original voices uh, given to them, but uh, everyone else is done by James Doohan, Scotty, and Marjel Barrett, um, who was also from the original series. They're pulling double duty, well, some like triple, quadruple duty on this, and playing loads and loads of other characters uh, within the show. Yeah, I think, well, the three-armed alien, actually, was almost like, I felt like, a bit of a precursor to Saru on Discovery, having a form. Yeah, it does yeah, like Very yeah. much, like, different-looking... I mean, it's slightly humanoid, but having three arms was something they could never have done on the show, and it's, like, mm. a nice thing that they could realise well. that, at least. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, you're right. Is this series, like, canon? Does it follow on from it the It is officially now canon. So it is the continuing adventures of... For years, there was a... Ma- I looked this up, for years there was a massive debate about um, whether it was canon or not. Uh, it went back and forth, but... As uh, of all good Star Trek, there's some inconsistencies, but there's <laughs> oh, yes. enough consistencies that it can... Like, there's not, like, one episode where something really crazy happens that would ruin everything, and they're like, oh, we can't have that canon, but... Uh. In 2007, the official Star Trek website finally confirmed it as canon so only as recently as 2007 so there are people out there who care about this show that were fighting the good fight oh yeah it must have been it was a long time before it appeared on DVD and it was you know asked for for a long time it was the last of everything to be released and it's only just recently been released on Blu-ray hasn't it it's available on Blu-ray to buy or of course you can watch it um, in the UK at least on Netflix Uh, I'm not sure yeah does the do you know if the Star Trek deal extends to no it won't do will it because it will be on all on CBS All Access in America oh yeah in Americans yeah, yeah, they yeah, get yeah. Discovery just, on just CBS on their new and all the thing. new Star Trek all the old Star Trek as well we get so, on Netflix I think Australia gets on Netflix but it is available on Blu-ray for everyone to watch if you want to check it down um, you know because yeah DC Fontana who's one of the writers on the original series and on the animated show has been quoted as saying this is basically what season 4 would have been didn't Fontana write The Street like or the, the precursor of The Wire no you'll think of Tom Fontana okay. who created Oz <laughs> okay <laughs> Oh, oh, there's a crossover. Yeah, Oz is such a space prison. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I mean, we we almost got that yeah. Star Trek Discovery. We might still That's yet the missing get it. four months of that. Would be amazing. <laughs> um, I mean, another new character that I noticed was Mr. Kyle, who's operating uh, the transporter at one point. Oh, is he the like, guy with the mustache? Yeah, he's, he's like yeah. insanely posh Englishman. <laughs> so like, oh, I'll just beam you up, won't be? We beam him something aboard. Who <laughs> Kirk like shoves out of the way. Oh my god, yeah, he doesn't really push about something. What about actually, you know, they're saving money everywhere else, but it's like, we'll animate Kirk. Here's a full out. frame shove. <laughs> he's just a monocle popped out. Who <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>, kept him? <laughs> I thought the uh, the new uh, 
uh, theme, a bit funkier. Oh, yeah, it's like black exploitation yeah. style, Star Trek theme. What about the music in total, actually? It's much more overscored than the show itself. Mm. Like, uh, it seems a lot more kind of propulsive and like mm. uh, yeah, ever-present. And maybe that's a little nod to like kids need music <laughs> yes. stimulation, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and it is like I say, it has got that kind of black exploitation style. Right. Of use. It feels very kind of uh, actiony and mm. kind of, you know, like you say, propulsive, kind of pushing the plot forward and the uh, the action, making you think that the action is more propulsive <laughs> than it actually is. Yeah. So when we get the shot of Spock that's in both Beyond the Father's Star <laughs> and the other episode we watch, where Kirk is in danger and Spock runs across the bridge, very slowly going, Captain! <laughs> like a movie in like slow-mo. We make it think he's, oh, he's really running, he's really going for it there. Well, yeah, the, the Enterprise going from right left to right on the opening title as well looked dire... <laughs> It, you know, this is the opportunity to kind of get that kind of looking a little little smoother than it was on the original show with the the model, but it's it's terrible, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. You think space is pretty easy to get right in animation, but so in terms of oh, one thing I was going to ask you about with the cast because you were kind of speaking quite highly of their voice performances earlier, would you say they sound committed to it, or do you think they're phoning it well, in I, a bit? Well, no, I will give you an example of why I think they're committed. Well, okay. at least one person is. Uh, Near the end of the second episode, which is sharper than a serpent's tooth, like uh, McCoy says, this reminds me of a quote from Shakespeare. It's McCoy remembers the quote, but then suddenly Shatner bucks in and goes, "Oh yes, I know the one," and then says the says the line. So even on the animated series, he's muscling out his co-stars yes. to yeah, get yeah, the last yeah. word. It's like, it, how did he know which one? He was like, "Well, actually, Jim, it was to be or not to be." But, yeah. There's a lot of Shakespeare, Jim. Yeah. Okay. I don't um, know Shakespeare. <laughs> What do you think we would have thought if we'd been fans of Star Trek back in the 70s? We'd been some of the fans who've been applying pressure um, to uh, Paramount and the... It was Would it have this, aired on this, CBS this originally? This could have been like the first split in the fandom. Like, imagine everyone's on board with the original series because that's all there is. Yeah. And then something else comes along and it's this. I can see some people being like, great, new track, I'll take it. This is enjoyable. And others being like, you have insulted my entire family. Like, well, what I don't is think this? it may be like, you know, oh, that's good, but I still want more. And mm. that, and hence, that's why they went into phase two planning by 75, which was the going to be the next TV show. Oh. So there was like... I guess and maybe that's why there wasn't a season three of the animated show, because yeah. they moved on to Yeah, so by 75, they were already building sets, casting like uh, the phase two one, where there was going to be some of the crew back and then there's new characters. So Ilea was going to be in that uh, TV show. And then right. as Star Wars kind of rolled on and made millions, they kind of go, right, scrap that. We're moving on mm. to oh. the big screens. Did any of that get put into the movie plan? Um, some small parts, actually. I mean, I think the writers actually took what would have been the pilot and then started bringing it out to a bigger scale. But um, yeah, there's actually... One of the things that isn't on the Blu-ray, I, I kind of it is or not, but if you, if you have a copy of Motion Picture, um, try and look at the extras because there's a really good one that sort of shows the genesis of that project and shows some screen tests mm. of Phase Two, so you get to see some costume tests, oh. and it looks like a real kind of midway point between 60s Shrek and 70s uh, Motion Picture. So it's a bit, it's like Motion Picture but more colourful, a little bit more colourful, but not quite as broadly, you know, gold, red, and blue as the 60s one so it's really kind of cool um, unfortunately there's not a whole episode to, which to kind of do a, a oh, mini thing on yeah that's a, that's a shame isn't it if there'd been an unaired pilot phase 2 mm. that'd be uh, the, the holy grail yes, lost exactly, yeah, exactly yeah. that um, 
Okay, um, well, shall we move on to the second episode yeah. uh, that we're going to talk about today, which is How Sharper Than a Serpent's Tooth, uh, Emmy Award winner, uh, written uh, by David Wise, um, who, this was his first ever TV writing job, later went on to be the main writer on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the 80s uh, cartoon, which absolutely took that franchise off into the stratosphere and tons of other animated shows he's, he's got a list of credits as long as your arm um, but it was also co-written by another writer I'm not 100% sure who the other writer on this episode was uh, Russell Bates Russell Bates okay so I presume I was he was going to say Ben Affleck <laughs> <laughs> he was presuming he was more of an old hand have you got a plot description uh, Matt on uh, this yeah just as the Enterprise must contend with an alien entity that demands it be worshipped as a god wow what did there's we... a lot of that going on so this is kind of Final Frontier and like there's a fake yeah, god I guess except so, the twist yeah. is this god yeah. was real and was real for all different cultures and stuff so, did this deserve to win the Emmy? I, I think it was really kind of a good concept, actually. Mm. I thought it, it did a great story uh, and really kind of had a, you know, resonance, like with, Brit, with, with, sorry, with world history, kind of looking back to the Mayans, like yeah. the Chinese kind of like um, with the, um, the Chinese dragons. dragons. And saying everybody got a different piece of one thing yeah, is really yeah. interesting. Because the and actual it, thing is like an amalgamation of all of it, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. So I think it, people interpret it in different ways, but they all revered this thing. And it's almost like, it, it really, I like that kind of thing where this alien sort of has come over here and it's it's just like a bored kind of like older kind of wise being and sees an opportunity yeah. with the human race to kind of give them a leg up and sort of school them and then it's just disappointed when they go off and do their own thing. Thankless kids. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it was, yeah, it's such a really cool for our idea which is, is really well sort of visualised. Yeah, and this one has the classic God voice that I think we mentioned on our episode with Dave. I think that's like, that oh. may be my only issue of it is like I thought the, the the voice casting was a bit too much like the other episode which mm. was also a booming voice mm. uh, and it could have been something a bit more kind of underplayed and sinister like I don't know but well I think this episode is instantly a step up because of the fact that like you say it takes advantage of it actually being animation it when... feels like something that they actually wouldn't have been able to afford to do on TV because there's tons of like sets there's a massive kind of weird looking alien there's there's a lot Flying of stuff around. special effects well there's other there. creatures as well because it's like it's, ke it's kept loads of creatures in cages that are like yes. simple minded kind of like beasts and stuff which you know would never have been on the screen and looking I mean the best they can manage is a triple so yeah We've seen all these creatures and beasts and stuff and just watching and going like, yeah, they really were on drugs in the 70s. Huh? Just, <laughs> just what were they doing? And they have, of course, introduced for this episode and only this episode, the uh, rather culturally insensitive character of Ensign Walking Back. <laughs> Yeah, so was he meant to be a Native American crewman? Well, he yes, says that. He's Comanche, is this your Comanche, oh, okay. aren't you? Like, uh, <laughs> and it's, he, this is his only episode how, ever. How would you say it was racially insensitive? Oh, I just think it's bizarre um, to have this character. I think the representation of a Native American character at this point, they're still talking to him as if he's a character in an old-school cowboy film. Oh, I think in terms of about his culture and stuff... Well, no, he like, volunteers that yeah. information, though. He's the doesn't Kurt turn around and go, you're, you're a Comanche, aren't no, you? No, no, he, no, he's, no, he just says, like, um, 
I think he says Kublika. He goes, what do, you, what do you mean? And then he says, you know, oh, I studied this stuff, like, because I'm really I'm fascinated by my own history right. and that of other cultures. And so he's actually the most read up and, lit, you know, uh, person about the subject matter. Right. I oh, was he in there because his uh, culture ties into, like, the Mayan side and the Chinese yeah, side for all the... So he yeah. remembers parts of this thing as well. Exactly. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. Like, so he's um, a bit of a plot device character. He's a plot device character, but he's also but... not a red shirt that kind of like, you yeah, know, right. knows, knows too much of his own good. <laughs> I, I just think even, I don't know, I just think even like his name, so he kind of feels pulled out of a stock Native American character for a, you know, a but, John Ford cowboy movie. But he didn't look like, uh, I don't no. think the animation really kind of gave him like a much personality. Just but I think that's, that's just because they're re- re- <laughs> reusing uh, some stock animation footage copy of the character for copy paste, so yeah. maybe. Because I know, but he has got, uh, it's James Doohan doing the voice and he does give him an accent. At times, I, yeah. I think it was a bit all over the place. That yeah, one. no, I agree. <laughs> I was, I, it was like Mr. Walking Bear. I like, I had, I had to like double check. I actually had to wind back the well, stream back the uh, <laughs> thing just to check I hadn't misheard because it was one of those things that jolted me out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then because there was nothing in his voice that sounded like no. he was trying to do a Native American voice, but then later yeah, on he did. I was confused. Like yes, yeah, he, he definitely sort of midway like through. He kind of did go into a little accent. And so it was kind of like, maybe you should have got somebody who was actually Native American to, um, yeah, to voice this character. So. That would be my one thing that's a culturally centered, but it's good mm. to have some, you know, representation on the bridge and uh, that kind of thing. Or Scottish to pay Scotty, I <laughs> well, well, he's, uh, yeah, yeah, because he's Canadian. He is, do, yeah, Doohan's not Scottish, is no, he? he's Canadian. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I can't, you know, one of the things I was thinking of most when watching these two episodes was, of course, one of my favourite episodes of Futurama, in which the Star Trek cast uh, guest star in that. Any kind of Star Trek animated connect the two. And the the thing in this kind of reminded me of Melvar, the Cloud character from that, the big super fan. Yeah. Uh, I was just it. like, oh, it's all kind of coming together. Yeah, well, they, yeah, and that was a better animated episode. Than, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's very true. <laughs> um, but I think you're right in the sense of it is a really good concept uh, for the episode. I mean, it's, it, again... It's another case of you think this is a children's cartoon, and that there's some pretty heady. Yeah, it's trying to uh, say like if all religions there. and cultures just come together, you can compare notes, you'll figure it all out. You figure out life, man. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's essentially them saying goodbye to God, a kind mm. of, you know, almost like angry for a second time out of mess. the Eden. It's kind of like Kirk is like, we don't don't need God anymore. Don't worry about it. Like, well, yeah, well, that's like, the thing. Like, we weren't expelled from paradise, but we... That was the yes. other episode. Uh, is it? Yeah, that, that's the thing. Cause it's like, it's repeating a theme. Because we, we, yes. last episode, we did... Uh, um, the other side of paradise mm-hmm. and they're on the bridge at the end the sort of epilogue is them say you know oh for the second time we've uh, been expelled from eating this no this time we walked out and we on our own like our decision because we we don't need to be held there anymore you know what you, you're right these two episodes are kind of overlapping for me because I'm genuinely unsure if that was from the original series episode it or would, this one it's from the original series because this one is the Shakespeare that's the whole like right yeah, yeah 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 but I mean yeah it's funny how the these two episodes do mesh together a little bit yeah, in terms of the concepts it's repeating themes isn't it I really like the idea that the uh the Kublikan Kublikan yeah. yeah I found it really hard to when, say well. when he faces them he expects them to be all hostile and violent fired your weapons at me we used them in self-defense you fired on us I am your master I may do with you as I will 
and Kirk's there saying like, oh no, no, we're doing this, we're doing that. And that was quite another good twist on the whole, the Starfleet, you know, anti, anti-violent when they can be. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And um, <laughs> one thing I found quite funny was this constant thing of Kirk just basically making it clear that we as humans are superior to the animals. Again, it's a thing of, it, there's no imagining that perhaps by the time we get to this point in the future that people might be saying that, oh, maybe we shouldn't eat meat or something like that. It's just going like, no, we're completely superior to uh, like the power cat and everything. They are nothing compared to us. You can keep them captive for us, no way. <laughs> like he's very much putting himself on a pedestal above them. But do you think uh, that Roddenberry was on board with the vegetarianism like thing? Because um, in the last episode, yes, they did sort of say we're all vegetarians now. Because I see you've got no meat. Like, uh, no, <laughs> but that what, was just another what reason. What do you do for steak? Like, and it's like this. This is hell, not paradise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was just another reason to snap them out of it. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say, but you know, certainly Roddenberry's vision, in most ways, is is progressive. So it's always odd when you see something uh, in one of these older episodes that kind of leans more heavily towards an attitude of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas now, you know, we're learning very much that actually. Fast forward to this time in the future, we're probably all going to have to be vegans at the end of the day. If things keep going the way they are um, with the planet, so it's just it's just odd to see him kind of you know very much putting the animals as kind of lower status to himself. Yeah, there's still the hierarchy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, really, when there should be a power cat working on the bridge, like, you know, well, get to work. Well, the power cat should be in the engine room. Really. Just, like, <laughs> yeah, just like the the. the an eight series version of that little dude that goes round with Scotty. Like, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Verse, yeah. Um, one thing I did want to know is why doesn't the red shirt deserve any bed rest? Do you remember this moment? No. Oh, there's yes. a moment where yeah, it completely yeah. randomly cuts to McCoy in uh, <laughs> in his doctor's kind of surgery. And he's speaking to a red shirt, yeah. and he just cuts in on him saying, well, you don't deserve any bed rest, whatever it is, but I'm going to give you two days off anyway. Yeah. And he doesn't, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, why, why not? I'm like, has he got like an STD or something? <laughs> just like, say, you don't deserve it, but take these antibiotics and take two days off. Yeah. I was really intrigued as to what the red shirt had done to annoy <laughs> McCoy so much that he has to give him time off. But he's like, you don't deserve it. Or is he just a Attempted real, mutiny. Or is he just a real stickler? He's just like, you shouldn't be allowed any sick leave ever. It's like, there's always a few malingerers. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, diagnosis, cancer, no time off. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, have we got anything else that we want to say about this uh, um, Emmy Award just, winner? Just, um, yeah, I think a lot of the concepts in, in this episode have influenced, probably not directly, because I doubt people would cite this episode as a direct influence, but, you know, you, you see the, the ideals in things like this, like The Matrix, and then the thing, and, and like the Legion episode of Red Dwarf came up for me. It seems a lot of Red Dwarf, actually, yeah. looking back over these things. And just the idea of, you know, is your freedom, a lack of freedom and self-awareness. Briefly, but, uh, explain Legion. Oh, um, so the Legion episode of Red Dwarf, they, the crew go to a place and there's an entity there who wants to keep them there. Isn't that right? Yeah, and basically, they go to this space station and there is some kind of alien being there mm-hmm. uh, called Legion. 
um, who appears to be incredibly intelligent. Um, he throws them like a dinner and yeah, yeah, and able to offer them everything they could ever want. He's designed rooms for them that are kind of chosen to suit their personality traits and everything that they could ever want are in these uh, rooms. All, all their fantasies. So it's like a little personal paradise. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. But he's keeping them there as prisoners. He's giving them everything they could want, but he's saying, you have to stay here. The reason being that somehow he only comes to life through other people being in his presence mm. and then becomes an amalgamation of the people he's with. Um, so he's so, physically like a mix of all four of the main characters and to escape them they knock themselves out don't they so they do it one by one and every time one of them goes unconscious a part of them leaves Legion he starts becoming like half of them and then a quarter and then less until they're all knocked out and he disappears because he can't exist unless they're there so it's a thing of you stay here and you get everything you want all the best food all your favourite anything and that gives me life you know, why would you choose not to? And they're sort of like, you know, well, we we got to go, we can't do best this. Best episode of Star Trek never made. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's, yeah. A, it's one of the best episodes of Red Dwarf, yeah. um, definitely. And there are a lot of uh, Red Dwarf parallels with Star Trek. I remember, because I'm a bigger fan of Red Dwarf uh, than I am Star Trek. And I remember reading like an old kind of Red Dwarf episode guide, and there was a time when it was on at the same time Star Trek Next Generation and there would often be a plot in Red Dwarf where <laughs> they'd have a plot and then TNG would have the same plot the month later or the other way around <laughs> like repeatedly throughout their runs so it's quite interesting so yeah, yeah. there we go I mean yeah Legion like go and watch that, that episode so that whole idea of you know imprisonment is it you know is, is a well-meaning life better than harsh reality basically and that kind of question comes up mm. in sci-fi so much and, and as far as this animated series goes it's a good little stab I think I think because these two episodes are so similar I think in a lot of ways I can't I would want to see a couple more just to kind of get a sense of some of the like the mud episode mm -hmm. mm. Uh, you know there's, there's, I think there's a few more I, I think uh, are well thought of I just want to kind of see a bit more but also I think I just wanted to revisit after I finish oh, yeah. the original series because I'll see if it was really necessary because people do say you know Star Trek was cancelled for its time but I'm just wondering if it had I would be interested to see do I feel like it did run its course and was the animated series really that necessary is it adding anything extra like are we getting stuff that we wouldn't we, we would never have got otherwise so are yeah. there more episodes of them pushing animation to tell bigger stories yeah I mean I think what's interesting is I kind of get the impression that perhaps season one of the animated series and certainly from the evidence that we've seen here with Beyond the Father Star uh, that would hold true is that season one is kind of the stories that they had for season four but cut down into shorter episodes because they don't seem paced that episode did not seem paced to be 20 odd minutes it just seemed like you say it's got everything cut out so it's just plot 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 um, and then season two I would imagine is them going oh now we need to write new stories fitting for the animation I remember there's only six episodes of season two yeah exactly um, which is so, very strange because there's eight, 18 or so or something like that no, yeah. no, no, 16 sorry of season one I guess they just got a shorter episode order which would lead you to believe that maybe it wasn't that successful but then they went off afterwards working straight into phase two. So who, who's to say, really? That'd be interesting to find out. So so I think Total Curio is what I would... Is my <laughs> final vertex on yes. this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're saying, Paul, that you think fancy watching a few more random episodes? 
Yeah, just a, just a couple more. Just a couple more. Uh, you know, I don't know because I kind of you know, I find it hard going these two. I've got to say. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Whereas, whereas original series is is very entertaining. Um, mm, they don't feel like fifty minutes. I, there's not been any that's been a real slog for me yet. The original series. I'm twenty four wow. episodes in. So I mean, yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to go back to discuss the original series more. I think um, later on, uh, because I think we're all intending on watching a lot more of that. So it's definitely going to be more for us to discuss and come back together. Yeah. Um, but in with the animated series, what about you, Matt? Are you going to be watching more? Yeah, I think I'm the same as Paul. Like, I'll definitely check a few more out. I mean, it's tough because it, like, is it 22 total? Yeah, 22. Yeah, I mean, it's enough to kind of binge, especially when they're only 20 minutes. But yeah, I'll pick out ones that sound either completely out there or ones that have stronger links to the original series, like the Mud episode, like you say, and see how it handles those two sides. But I'll, I'll pick and choose, I think. Yeah, I think there's, good, there's a synopsis there. You can see yeah. what it's... Oh, no, this sounds of, fun, this one, yeah. Gets a sense of what you're getting yourself into. <laughs> yeah. I've got to say, yeah, guys, exactly the same again. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to explore uh, yeah, ones with perhaps other older characters coming back ones that perhaps take advantage of the animation Mm -hmm. uh, that are really far out and also ones that are kind of thought to be highly regarded Um, and you know track down a few if there are any track down a a few of those so I'd like to watch a few more but kind of yeah as you say curio value uh, I think Um, next time we're going to be talking about Star Trek The Next Generation uh, and we're gonna, um, we've got <laughs> finally. Um, <laughs> finally. Well, I think I started this podcast, and this time we'll have not one but two <laughs> guests because that's how much people love TNG. We've got two guests clambering to come on and talk about their love for it and sell us this series with their guest picks as well as the two-part pilot will be sold this series which will already be watching (laughs) Paul is already sold as I believe Next Generation is the thing that kind of got him into Trek along with Ross and Carl yeah cemented my Trek like thing because if you just with the movies by themselves you know would it have a thing I think you need the TV you need the TV well I kind of think based on Matt's reaction to the the films I need the TV for those movies yeah because you were kind of not as blown away by the TNG movies as you were the original series movies were you? No I mean First Contact like we say great great film and so very contained with just a airtight pitch in itself but the best Star Trek but the intro to him and Generations and a lot of interaction and Nemesis just kind of lost to me well not lost to me just the crew dynamics that I kind of picked up quicker with the original movies so mm-hmm. getting this in on the ground floor on these guys and yeah. seeing some adventures some more I'm, I'm interested to revisit these I guys say, I don't dislike them what I've noticed about Trek original series and also the animated is because the animated even more so there's no character moments and with the original series, they're very few and far between, and they're almost like the exception. It's just like to the plot, based. it's very concept based, and you get like occasional moments with the with Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, but the interactions with Kirk and Scotty, very kind of like business, like it's all business, business, business <laughs> so far. And um, yeah, it's it's not a lot of character work, and I got to say, the movies make them much more human. I mean, mm. the the motion picture really is. The, the movie of the show actually it's probably the closest one to the show in, far, in terms of like how they interact it really is that the top three get any time together and the rest kind of just say the lines you know lock plays mm. on target yeah you know 
I'm receiving message from Starfleet Captain from Uhura. That's pretty much it. So I think from two onwards, where it actually becomes this family affair and they all are getting much better character moments, that's kind of what the movies really bring to the original crew. So far, this is the thing. This is one third into it. I'll see if it gets better. Yeah, I mean, I assume what you're referring to is that you're saying that Kirk, Spock and Bones nick all the character moments in the original series. And, what and then is, the films have more. Yeah, and then I've been saying like the most, the most comedy moments are between like them and Spock kind of like acting strangely sometimes and his things. But, there, you know, it was like the Naked Gun uh, ter- police, you know, uh, police, police squad. squad. Police like, squad, you know yeah. how in Police Squad every episode would end with the freeze frame and all yes. laughing and then yeah. but as it freeze framed they would just carry on one person would just not be free frozen and walk <laughs> yeah. around so he's pouring coffee over somebody's hand <laughs> this is how one of the episodes end they're all just laughing and it just goes on and on it was so staged it didn't, it, it didn't, it didn't feel, well, so it doesn't freeze frame but it doesn't feel like yeah. but they keep laughing they just can't stop laughing like we have to keep going until the credits finish yeah. and it's like the camera's pulling back and they're all ha ha ha, ha, ha on the bridge and it just it felt reminded me of the police squad and it just felt Janet learned. just comes in it didn't feel like there was a chemistry enough for the, that, that amount of laughter to take place <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's Big like, workplace The script says you laugh. So laugh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Right, okay, so we'll be back next month to talk TNG, and maybe Matt will finally discover the identity of Pfizer. <laughs> Tune in next time. That's it. That's all from me, Paul. And me, Matt Brothers. And me, Liam Dempsey. Liam out. If you enjoyed this episode of Spotlight and wish to support us, you can rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter at SpotlightPod. You can also get in touch and drop us a message directly by emailing spotlightpod at gmail.com.